And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is Dr. Kevin Sherritt. Hi, Dan. Good to be with you. Well, Kevin, it's nice to have you here. You know, this is the time of year when we think a lot about uh, the season of Lent. Uh, It was just a few days ago that uh, was Ash Wednesday, and I do recall I, um, I tuned into some news program, and they were interviewing a guest on the news program, and it happened to be Rudy Giuliani. And I looked at him, and he had this smudge of a cross on his forehead, and I thought, good for you. <laughs> right. You know, in this day and age when people are all made up, uh, here's this rather humbling and even messy smudge on his forehead, and uh, perhaps some people didn't know what that was there for. And I know that he's in the Roman Catholic tradition, but nevertheless, I thought, well, good for you. Yes, yes, it's a visible sign in a, in a secular age. It always strikes me on Ash Wednesday as well uh, of this um, concrete reminder that we were taken from dust and we'll return to dust. And mm. so it's, uh, it's quite a vivid reminder of our mortality and of our, the frailty and the fragility of life and, and of the fact that in, in more um, theological terms of the curse Mm. Uh, something which, in our culture, we're constantly averting our eyes from and forgetting. And so, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Protestant, I'm a Presbyterian minister, and, but I appreciate the sign. I, I see it on Ash Wednesday, and I, and I think it reminds people of something very, very important. Yeah, you're right. Um, just quickly, I also had an interesting experience, uh, what was it, uh, just yesterday. My dad was with me. Uh, we were in the car driving. I had to stop. It was in Hurley. I went into um, into Stewart's, came back out. When I got in the car, Dad said, you know, that was really nice. I didn't know what he was talking about right away. And he had heard the chimes from the old Dutch church in Hurley. You know, another kind of a, kind of a sign, uh, kind of a, a reminder of what really counts. But uh, by now our listeners have figured out we're, we're going to be talking today about Lent, this whole season of Lent. Help us understand where did this come from and what is it based on uh, in the scriptures, uh, Kevin? Well, it develops in the early church. Uh, uh, the, the word Lent, I believe, is uh, related to the word for, you know, for 40, you know, and by about the third or fourth century, the church in the West had sort of established a period of fasting and renewal that would correspond to Christ's 40-day fast. You know, we know Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And they would uh, count back from Easter, and they would exclude the Sundays. The Sundays would always be feast days, right? Sundays are the celebration of the resurrection, so you don't fast on Sunday. And they would arrive at the Wednesday, you know, seven or so weeks before Easter. And so it was a period that developed um, in, in the ancient church. I don't think we can say that it's apostolic, though its roots go back deep into the history of the church, and, and though it's based on the idea that, you know, Israel wandered in the wilderness, Jesus had a 40-day fast, Moses was on the mountain 40 days. The, the 40-day pattern is in Scripture, and the early church was using it uh, as a period. At one time, it was a period where, where converts would prepare for baptism on Eastern Sunday, and it's still used that way. 
But it later became also just a more general time of penitence and repentance for all Christians. And so you would start at Ash Wednesday, you would go 40 days, and that would be a period of Lent, and it would end, you know, with, well, it, 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 depending on, counting the end day usually is a little tricky, but basically it ends with Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. or if not, if not uh, you know, Good Friday in some traditions. Mm-hmm. But essentially, now, you know, it's a, it's a season that evangelical Christians, and Christians in my tradition, have often been queasy with and have had a, a very uneasy relationship with it, even though there are plenty of Protestants and evangelicals who practice it. And uh, I think that queasiness is something that has to be thought through and, and carefully worked through. You know, as, as Protestants, uh, we do believe that we're justified by faith alone, that our, that our good deeds or, or even our acts of charity or our acts of self-denial are not meritorious. That is, they don't, they don't lay up merit for us. They don't buy or gain or even contribute to gaining salvation. And so we've tended, many Protestants, to be quite wary of Lent because in our minds it's associated with traditions where works contribute to salvation in some way. And we all know people who give something up for Lent and then think that that is a sort of, you know, satisfying some obligation perhaps or perhaps appeasing God. Not that that's the best practice of, say, the Catholic tradition. It isn't. But um, there's a perception out there that makes us uh, queasy. And I think to some extent rightfully so, um, because it's easy to slip into the notion that Lent prepares you for the Easter celebration, for example. That's a common phrase that I think Protestants should perhaps at least graciously questioned, because we believe, as Paul says in Romans 4, that we're justified by Christ's resurrection. He was delivered up for our transgressions. He was raised for our justification. So, um, you know, there is no ability for us to be saved or acquitted or even do good works before the resurrection, that is, before Easter. Mm. And so Lent is not viewed as sort of building up to Easter or, you know, preparing us so that we can be worthy for Easter. All that stuff, I think, has to be uh, thought through by Protestants, at least. I mean, I'm not going to speak here for the Catholic or the Orthodox tradition, but I can speak for, I think, Protestantism in general, that um, when we come to this subject, we want to make sure that we're not affirming these things. Again, not, not that Rome necessarily affirms them. It's just that the popular perception sometimes is that this is what's being affirmed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, just looking at the calendar, I realize that, um, you know, tomorrow is uh, daylight savings time also. So it's it's a reminder to folks, uh, tonight turn your clock ahead so you can get to church on time tomorrow. Also, it's 12 days until spring. So a lot's happening this time of year. It's uh, It's a wonderful thing to celebrate Lent. And uh, we need to take a short break, but on the other side, Kevin, maybe you can tell us uh, what you as a minister of Word and Sacrament are are going through in the church in terms of um, preaching, what you're covering, uh, what the people are doing, uh, are there Lenten services, and that sort of thing on the other side. Be glad to do it, Dan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. 
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Daniel Mendorf. On the phone line with me today is Dr. Kevin Sherritt. We're talking about Lent. And Kevin, on this side of the break, um, as a Protestant, um, what are you doing, what is your church doing to, um, to uh, make this a very meaningful time and uh, to glorify the head and king of the church? That's a good question, Dan. We... Uh, Westminster Presbyterian Church, where I, where I pastor in, in uh, down near Newburgh, New York, we do observe um, Ash Wednesday, and then uh, we have a Lenten service every Wednesday throughout Lent, up until Holy Week, up until Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And um, of course, our aim in this service, and, and this is where I said, you know, prior to the break, I said. Lent can be a little tricky for evangelicals, and we have to think about it. Um, and uh, it's not that it's a season of discipline, and spiritual discipline is a healthy thing, nor is it that we merit something or that we have to prepare ourselves for Easter. It really is useful to us, at least, again, speaking as an evangelical, it's useful to us in that it reminds us of the kinds of things that should always be true, but that we're tempted to forget, or that we tend to forget. In that sense, it serves a function, you know, analogous to lots of other things, like anniversaries or birthdays or celebrations, where you might say, well, we celebrate that all the time, but we have certain periods where we remember and we commemorate things to to remind us, to, to readjust us, to recalibrate us. And so it's not as if, you know... You, you, you go into some season, at least in our minds as evangelical Protestants, it's not as if you go into some season of discipline, but you could live some less disciplined, easier, less demanding form of the Christian life after Lent, mm-hmm. or even before Lent. Uh, that would be, we think, a misuse of the season. Uh, and, and that's why things like Fat Tuesday and Mardi Gras are idolatrous. They're corrupt. Um, it, Lent is, is useful because it says... You, it, we have to meditate on our mortality, on our sinfulness, on our need of a Savior. Uh, the whole Christian life is to be one of daily repentance, mortification, and vivification in Christ. Uh, not just Lent, but throughout 
the year. What, what, what happens in Lent does not stay in Lent. And it's a time to remember then, with gratitude, that Christ is, has, has saved us. He has conquered sin and death. He's justified us. He's forgiven us freely. And then he says to us, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Mm. And so I think it's important that we get the order right. Uh, we're not doing Lent because we feel um, that we are not in the Father's house, you know, mm-hmm. that we're not acquitted. Yeah. We're doing it because this Jesus who we follow calls us to a life of discipline. Paul speaks of the need to, to pummel or, or buffet his body, um, lest he run in vain. And so I think it's union with Christ in his death and resurrection and, and, and the agony, to be frank, that that calls us to sometimes that Lent reminds us of, right? Lent mm-hmm. comes around and we realize, gee, you know, I have no discipline of fasting in my <laughs> life, or I'm not praying enough, or, yeah. or I'm not focused on giving to the poor or deeds of charity. It's not like we should do it for Lent and then forget it until the next Lent. Yeah, that's a good point, right. yes. It should be part of our life. Um, I'm looking down at my belly and I realize I could use a good fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking also about... Um, uh, more objections. Uh, suppose somebody just got done reading uh, Paul's concern, let's say, for the Galatians, and where the text says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. It's not a problem for me. I'm just trying to um, yeah. think it may be a thought in somebody's mind and say, well, I don't really want to go here, um, this Lenten thing, because I'm afraid I might be offending God sure. uh, and, and this text that Paul has brought out here. Is there any wisdom that you could share helping our listeners along that, that concern? Well, first of all, I understand the objection and, and to some extent sympathize with it um, and, and, so it, and respect it. Um, also, I think it's important to say that I can only speak as a Reformed minister, you know, in, in the Presbyterian, you know, tradition. I, mm-hmm. I can't speak for, for, for what Rome would, how Rome would answer that question, because mm-hmm. I do think their answer would be different than mine. Uh, what I would say is, well, first of all, for us as Protestants, these are not special holy days of obligation. We do not believe they're divinely imposed by the, ap- you know, the apostolic church upon the church for all ages. We believe this is good parental wisdom. Hmm. And so, um, secondly, uh, so that's a difference, right? It's a difference. It's one thing to say this is good parental wisdom and we're going to follow it. It's another thing to say this is imposed on the church such that if you don't follow it, you're sinning. Okay. The second thing I would say is that text in Galatians is a, is a notoriously tricky text as to what Paul means by days and seasons and years. He probably means the Jewish calendar. He could mean something from the pagan culture. But, but regardless, there are no Christians that don't observe some kind of rhythm to the way they order their life and the church years. So yeah, that's that, true. The text by itself could not be an objection to a 40-day period of fasting and prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many, many churches that are, we would say they're not traditional churches, they're not liturgical churches, um, have a 40-day period of pa- prayer or a 50-day period of prayer or a week of prayer or, or whatever, or annually have a Thanksgiving service or the like. So 
to some extent, everybody observes days and seasons and years, and you have to get at exactly what Paul is proscribing there in Galatians. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the concern is that there's some sort of magic or disobedience to Jesus in observing land because he doesn't want us to observe any kind of patterns or seasons. Um, and I think once you strip the, the idea that this is a divinely imposed sacred season, um, away, and that, and that uh, Paul is not, he certainly doesn't have anything like Lent in view. The objection becomes, you know, I can understand a brother or sister might still have an objection to it, but um, it really is an objection to a form of disciplining of your time. And, and the, the problem is everyone is going to order and discipline their time in some form or another. So to take a 40-day period and call it Lent, and, and look for God's special guidance and renewal in it hardly seems problematic to me mm-hmm. when what's the alternative to have that 40-day period structured more loosely and not, or look less intensely for God's guidance in that right. period of time? Or You see what I'm saying? It, sure. It's like churches which want to not observe any feature or aspect of the church year are nonetheless observing a church year. It, it's just the church year that they... Um, create week to week through the pastor or the worship leader or whatever, right? Some form of an ordering of the year is inevitable. So yeah. why then is Lent necessarily the objection? Objectionable. Yeah. Oh, well put, well put. Um, suppose somebody comes to your Lenten service, the church's Lenten service at Westminster. Mm-hmm. Um, any surprises? What would they encounter? What is there anything different or is just, you know, what, 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 well, there is a focus on repentance. You know, we, we have a special litany of repentance that we pray. We, we, this past Wednesday, we responsively read Psalm 51. Mm. Uh, the prayers, the hymns, the ethos of the service is somber. Um, you know, not overly so, but it focuses on the fact that, uh, that we are broken, sinful people mm. who are going to die and who are called to repentance and to follow Jesus. And... Um, and so, you know, this past week, um, we used a traditional text for the first Sunday in Lent, and I think it's a very helpful one, and it might help our listeners here. It's Jesus' text in Matthew 6, where he speaks of, he tells his disciples to beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. He says, you know, if you do this, you have no reward from your Father in Heaven. And I think you can see the wisdom in using this text as an, as an Ash Wednesday text. Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to get into, you're going to publicly put a sign on your, your head, perhaps, that you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to publicly uh, start to engage in deeds of charity for the season. You might commit to fast or to give something up that you love. You might be tempted then, as, as we often are, because we're proud and self-centered people, to sort of advertise or to sort of brag or to sort of mm. let people know about your piety. And so Jesus really goes after this and says, um, when you give to the needy, you know, you should not even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you pray, you shouldn't be like the hypocrites who pray in public. You go in your inner room, you shut the door, you pray to your Father who sees in secret. You keep saying that, you know, when you give, your give should be in, your giving should be in secret so that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He says the same thing about fasting. Don't look somber. Anoint your face. Wash it. Don't fast or pray or give things away so that you can be seen. And, and so 
it, it might be surprising for someone who thinks, well, I'm coming to a Lenten service and I'm hearing about my motivation, my attitude. Yes, we're entering into this season of discipline and repentance. Make sure it's between you and God, your mm. Father in secret, and it's not about parading your piety uh, before men. And so um, we encourage our folks here to be careful about uh, mm. you know, telling the whole world what you're giving up and, 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 uh, and things like that. And so the human heart being what it is, Jesus doesn't say, hey, I don't want you to, to give to the poor or to pray or to fast, but he, he, he addresses our motivation and lends a time for dealing not only with the fact that we are called to practice righteousness, to do deeds of charity, to fast and to pray, but we're also called to examine our motivations for doing so. Mm. Yeah, excellent. It's consistent with the Christian perspective of giving all glory to God not robbing him of his glory and taking it on ourselves, even if we could. Right. Um, so the praying, the fasting, the, the giving to the poor, I think we miss that. You know, in our, in our society here in America, quite a bit comes f- through taxation. We think we're given to the poor that way. It goes up to the government, right. uh, gets, um, gets chewed up in admin costs, and then some goes out to the poor. That's probably not what the Lord is talking about there. No, he's talking about actual deeds of charity and piety that you're tempted, you're you're called to do. Mm. He doesn't say, you know, if you fast. He says when you fast. Oh yeah. Don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. You know, don't 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 pray on the street corner. When you get to the needy, don't sound a trumpet. He says. He he goes on, and, and there's really some dreadful words here from Jesus, as usual, some very pointed teaching. He says, if you do this, if you do these things to be praised or applauded by others. And we all have very subtle ways of letting others know how pious we are, right? This is not mm. as crude or crass as you might think. It's, e- it's easily dropped into conversations or alluded oh, yes. to. We have our ways of letting people know, right, that we've yeah, done so it. true, so and, true. And uh, Jesus says, when you do that, you will receive no reward from your Father in Heaven. Mm. And, and the language there indicates that the transaction is finished. Jesus doesn't say you'll receive a diminished reward. He says, look, if, you're, if your prayer life and your fasting and your piety is, is to seek rewards from men, well, then you have your reward in full. That's You've got so. it. Don't expect one in heaven. Yeah, so true. It's very stark. You know, I'm looking at the clock, and I realize we're already out of time for our discussion today. But uh, to wrap things up, what encouragement could you, would you give to um, listeners who are Christians and maybe um, will be... Um, observing Lent themselves, um, not to give up hope, you know, and that sort of thing, and, right. and what their focus can be over the next um, slightly less than 40 days. Well, I think the whole Christian life um, is Lenten in the sense that, like Hebrews 3 and 4 says that the Church is in the wilderness. The whole Church is existence before mm. the second coming of Christ. is a lot like Israel's existence in the wilderness, where there are temptations and trials. And we're journeying through the wilderness toward Canaan. We're pilgrims. We're strangers. We're aliens. We have no lasting city. This is unnerving to people, and, yeah. and, and it, it, it disarms them and sort of uh, dislodges their, their sense of uh, well-being sometimes, but it's necessary. It's a necessary kind of unnerving. We have to be reminded, because this is fundamental and basic to Christian discipleship, that we're strangers and that we're pilgrims, that we're following our forerunner. And I think the, uh, 
the, the, the beauty and the glory of Lent is that it calls us back to these things. And each year we find ourselves saying, you know, this easily slips my mind. Mm. That, that I am not perhaps hearing the, the call of Jesus and the cost of discipleship. And, you know, it's, in this sense, Lent then is about the gospel. It's filled with the power and beauty of union with Christ. We don't just, we're not doing these things with Jesus just watching. We're, 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 we're entering into the mystery of his death so that we might know the power of his resurrection. It's beautiful. Well, we are out of time already uh, today. We've been talking about Lent this entire season. On the phone line with me is Dr. Kevin Sherritt, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York. And uh, if you would like to get in touch with Pastor Sherritt, use the email address here at the station. That address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And Kevin, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. And a quick reminder, if you would like to uh, check out this um, podcast up on our website, please do so. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.